Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You're listening to The Extra Point Show on WGR Sports Radio 550. Happy Friday, everyone. Zach Jones and Josh Schmidt hanging out with you here on the Extra Point Show. As you did here, Sal Capaccio and Joe DiBiase for the past few hours, we thought, you know, let's 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 give them some time off. You know, let's let them get to their weekend. We'll hang out here for a few hours. I had nothing have to some do. Fun. You know, exactly. Yeah. I had nothing to do. I was up already. It's Friday. It's Friday. We're just going to hang out. We had the Senior Bowl this week. Nothing really going on there today. We do have the game tomorrow. Um, we've also got like all the skills competitions going on, the Pro Bowl games, the what, what do we got? Skills competition tonight for the NHL because yes, the draft was last. They night. changed how it is now, and like Jeremy and Joe were saying this yesterday, of like you like it but you don't like it, and I'm, I feel the same way. Of like basically what they did was instead of every single All Star competing in at least one competition, it's now okay. We're gonna pick these select few guys, and they're gonna compete in all the competitions, and then the rest of them. They don't. No one really knows what the rest of the all stars that are there are going to do. If they're going to like sit on the bench, mm-hmm. if they're going to be up in like a box or something, or if they're going to be like involved in some other way. But Rasmus Dahlin, as of right now, is not involved in the skills competition, which I think is just why. Like that's literally him. Yeah, that, like, kind, of, that kind of seems to be like, like what he does well. That should be where where he is like highlighted in this whole weekend. Like, I mean, last night Connor McDavid selects him with their third pick, I believe. Yeah. He picked. Uh, Connor Hellebuck and David Pasternak with his first two, and then he picked Darlene on the third one. And he even said he's like, yeah, like we picked him because he's just you know great. He's and then really cool. John Bucigras on the draft was like, yeah, he's the Allen Iverson on skates. That is a really nice comparison. <laughs> if any, like it's if, if you weird, grew up though. in the two thousands and anyone goes like you're the oh, yeah. Allen Iverson of this, you're like, they think I'm really cool. They think I'm good at what I do. But at the same time, like. It scares me because of how Allen Iverson's career went. Like, yeah, where it's, it's a little like, scary. It's like you're going to be really cool. And you're not going to win anything, really, <laughs> right? But you're like, going to be a ton of fun. That's the part that scares me. But but regardless, I I think it's still going to be really good to see Darlene with Pasternak and Drysital and how McDavid. much of this do you watch? I used to watch it all the time. Like I love yeah, growing up and stuff. I yeah. loved the skills competition growing up. Like they would do different stuff every year, but it was all like hockey related. Like mm-hmm. like I liked kind of what they did last year, where it was I think it was last year, maybe the year before. It was the one in Florida where. You know, they're shooting hockey pucks at surfboards for, like, the accuracy competition and things like that. Like, that was kind of creative. Yeah, that was That was fun. I hated the, like, the Dude Perfect one oh, in, in yeah. St. Louis where they were, like, shooting pucks from in the stands into yep. the 
the thing on the ice. Mm-hmm. But I used to love like the I obviously like the skating, the fastest skater, the hardest shot, like all the like, you know, the normal stuff. But then like the the player shootouts where they could get really creative and like basically do whatever the hell they wanted. Yep. Like that was really cool. And then I liked the passing one too, where it was like they had these big long little nets like they were like super tiny but they Mm -hmm. had like a long net in the back so like a bunch of pucks could collect and the player would stand like in one spot on the ice and they would just like sauce passes like down the ice and i'm like this is great like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen that guy just shot the puck 30 feet in the air but then it came back down and went in this tiny little net like that's awesome it's it's a nice friendly reminder that you're like oh yeah it's not just like they're lucky or anything oh no they can do it they are truly some of the most skilled people especially at their yeah you know respective sport right ever. And, and and the game itself is still good ish mm-hmm. i put air quotes around yeah, was, good yeah. <laughs> it's the way like, you said it was eh. it it, eh. it was it was much better like in the early 2000s like mid 2000s yeah. like like joe was talking about it the peak all-star game was 2007 for me too yeah that's when you had brian campbell danny briere ryan miller and then lindy ruff behind the bench like that that's was right. yeah. awesome and then you, you also on the same team you had Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Zdeno Chara, like all well within their primes. Yeah, like that was probably one of the best All Star games in recent memory. Like obviously you have all the years with Gretzky and 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 Lemieux and and all mm-hmm. those guys, but that that one year, the 2007 year, that was like bam. That's like, where that was where it was. If you it. had if the only player you're probably missing like from today's standards or from like the rest of that era is Patrick Kane. Yep, but. He might have even been there at that. I, I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't think he was though. Um, but just all star games now have kind of lost it for me a little bit. I'll probably watch a little bit tomorrow. I, I feel like though, like it loses it loses it for us because like we're older. Yeah, like at this it's point, it's definitely like geared towards kids. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And like I'm fine with that. Like I, that's why I've never really complained about them. The only one I've ever really complained about is the Pro Bowl for football. See, I don't like the, I don't like the NBA one. Oh, you don't like the, really see the NBA one is the one I love. But that's where it's like. It, you're literally just it's oh look he oh there's another dunk cool oh wow oh, that guy yeah. has a wide open three that's awesome I like, like the half court shots that they do those are fun. yeah those those uh, are okay a but lot that's, of it though for me is I don't care for the games of any of them and yeah, yeah and I include you know baseball in that because they decided home run derby though well that, but that's the thing <laughs> I, I like some of these skills competitions that they do football football will always be a tough one of like not really knowing like how they can do it or what they should do you know for a while the pro bowl they they tried to make it seem like it was competitive baseball actively tried to make their all-star game competitive well, yeah because it used insane. to be the home field advantage stuff yeah, right? that's insane that see but that's cool like, it's it's cool in premise until it's put forward and you're like this is a meaningless game yeah and many of these players won't even play in said World Series right. what are we doing here? yeah so it's like it's like that one team that's like yeah we're going to the World Series guys we gotta win this and then the rest of the team's like dude I don't care I just want to like, like my have fun. my team's thirty games out of the playoffs yeah. like, like we're not making the playoffs bro like I'm worried about like keeping my job like yeah. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not here for this. But, like, I don't know. There's, there's always something I, I kind of like about these all-star competitions. I mean, I, I was somebody I was watching yesterday. Um, this is more to the NBA. Jalen Brunson getting voted in to be an all-star with Julius Randle as well in the Knicks. And I'm like, that's just cool. Like, I, I like this stuff, especially uh, knowing now as I've gotten older, a lot of these guys have it in their in their contracts, compensation, and, and, and you know bonuses if they do get all-star appearances or stuff like that. I always root for it, and that's where I have a problem with the Pro Bowl. For the NFL of just like a random player getting in just because like a like fan Gardner base Minshew. decides Gardner Minshew. Well, that's an alternate. Thing. Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl like two years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, you could you, okay with fan decisions. You could say the same thing about the NHL with John Scott. 
John Scott wasn't on an NHL team, and he was a captain of an all-star team. Oh, that is right. I forgot about that. That's when I was like, I that's really right. stepped back, and that's, I looked at it, and yeah. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, that's it's when like I, fans, we I, need an intervention. I took a break from the all-star game a, for a couple years because of that. Our moms and dads need to like sit our family and friends down on the couch <laughs> and be like, all right, guys, we need to talk about this. This, this player's not currently but in the NHL. What with, are we doing? With the Pro Bowl specifically, though, like I'm right there with you because it's like you get the most random people that you're like, it's because a lot of players say no. Well, yeah. Like, like Josh Allen being one of yeah. them. Like, there's a reason Gardner Minshew's a Pro Bowl quarterback. Allen's like, I'm going to play golf, guys. Like, I'm in the offseason right. now. Well, and it's if if the Pro Bowl was more, if it was, I guess, more exclusive would be the word. Of, like, you actually have to, like, be. If it was the all-pro teams. Yeah, right. All-pro is so much different. And I feel like if it was just the all-pro teams, one, it'd be better. But two, you probably wouldn't have a game because half of them wouldn't show up. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And, like, and like, that's the thing. Like, the all-pro teams are very exclusive. Like, mm-hmm. if you get, like, four all-pros, second or first team, you're considered, like, one of the best players at your position in a generation, in, like, a right. 10-, 15-year run, where you could have, like, six Pro Bowls, and people are like, really? You yeah, did? Like, oh, well, yeah, but one of the pro- one of the six, I was actually selected. The other five, I was an alternate, or I was an alternate, alternate. Like, I was solid enough to be the alternate guy. My team never went far enough in the playoffs. And right. I just kind of, I, I was a merchant for Pro Bowls. <laughs> but right, and because yeah, it's like you never, yeah. you never get Super Bowl players. Like you're not going to have Patrick Mahomes there. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have any of the Forty ers Any of the Forty ers Brock Purdy is not. Don't even. He's, don't. He, even. We're going to get there. We're going to get to Brock Purdy. Um, but but. You're not going to have any. And I always wondered, like, why not have the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl? But then it's like guys want to go into the offseason and just relax. And, you know. I mean, that's why. You have the two weeks before the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl being, you know, right, one of the, them. the weekend before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it is a lot of like these guys are just like, my body hurts so much. It's almost <laughs> inconceivable how much. And I would just like to relax for 15 minutes. What if, what if they did the Pro Bowl in like the preseason? Where it's like the guys from the year before oh, yeah, are playing okay. in the Pro Bowl in like August, yeah. like to kick off the preseason rather than have the Hall of Fame game. Oh, well, actually, okay. no, I love the Hall of Fame game. Never mind. I don't know. I, make I just that game the winner of no, I, I know where you're going with the draft pick game. No, like I'm trying to say what the conference would then host the Super Bowl. Make oh, the, the Pro Bowl. Bowl! The Pro Bowl conference winner would host. Okay, I Make never this... want All Star games to mean anything Come other on. than fun. Come times. on, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. It's fun no? for five minutes. All right. All right. Well, and, and the Super Bowl is different because it's always at a neutral site, so that's that's right. one thing. But then I never though want an All Star game to mean anything. Yeah, and and obviously this is true for all All Star games. It's hard to get your star players to like really try because if they get hurt. They're out for the year potentially, yeah, and that's not something you want. So then it's it's where I th- I do think the NBA and the NHL have it right. It's it's a it's a week break in the middle of their season, and they go, and it's the expectation of just go hang out with fans. Yeah, you know, get on the ice, get on the court, do whatever, just go hang out with fans. You know, right. build your brand, build the NBA or the NHL's brand, enjoy yourself, have fun. It's it's a nice reward. Mm-hmm. Where the NFL for years like wanted them to actually play a football game and stuff like right. that. I remember. Yeah. I was watching um, the NFL Network used to do their top ten lists, and they were doing like top ten rookie seasons. And Adrian Peterson was one of them. And they talked about him going to the Pro Bowl and like running like a hundred and twenty percent, and like running into dudes, and like everyone's like freaking out. And like they played it as like a positive, like yeah, Adrian Peterson, he's only got one gear. And I'm like, cool, bench him, <laughs> right? Like, not in the Pro Don't Bowl, let brother. Him go. Not now. <laughs> like no, like. I would have benched him immediately. Like, dude, this is an all-star game where we're just kind of having fun in Hawaii. Get off the field. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a I have a, su- a suggestion for you as a replacement to the Pro Bowl. Okay. So 
this week still happens. You know, all the stuff. You can, you can still do the competitions and the dodgeball. I ball, like a lot of competitions. Watching give, me Jason, hard, give me the hardest throw or something like that. Watching like, Jason know. Kelsey do long snapping last night was hilarious. Good I thought times. he was going to hit like five five-pointers in a row, and he just kept hitting the number five. He could never get it in the hole. Long snapping is hard. Now, Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, blew it away on the accuracy competition, which is something you wouldn't expect because, you know, he's... Yeah, if we were placing bets, you would, not, look have, that you, great you would not have said Jalen Hurts is going to win. Right. But anyway, I want to replace the Pro Bowl with the ultimate draft lottery game. The last two teams, teams one and two in the draft, play for the first overall pick. So this As year... As a fan... I would love that. This year it would be because I'm all the Bears tackles. and it would be it would be the Bears and the Patriots. Bears and, and be, Commanders. Commanders. Say, Sorry, shouldn't Commanders. it be the Panthers though? No, because the Panthers I traded know away that their pick. they traded their pick, but nope. nah, you're nope. not involved. You in this. traded your pick. You you forfeited the right to play for the first overall pick. You are now out of it. <laughs> Whoever whatever whatever team controls it, whether it's by a trade or whatever. As a fan, I'd love that because I'm all about the the memes of tank bowls. When oh, two I, bad teams I, play each other, I'm I all love for it. it. But you just know for a fact that like certain players would be like, "I will actively retire. Like I will, <laughs> I will not suit up for this." Yeah, because you are making fun of the whole thing. But no, I, I, but, I like but if you win, fun. you get the first overall pick. It's not like oh, the loser gets the pick because then everyone would just be okay, whatever. Like, like I'm, oh, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying. Up. Like the winner. Like, I don't that's know the how incentive. many players would actually care though. Especially, you're the quarterback playing for the number one overall pick. You're like, cool. <laughs> I'm playing for someone to take my job most years. That is Let's true. Let's go. That is true. But you'd get an actual NFL game. Like, it would not be. I don't need one, though, to be perfectly honest. Like, by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, like, I feel bad. I'm not going to watch much of the spring league. I'm all footballed out. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's we, we get very little reprieve from the sport, especially with Thursday night, then Sunday night, then or Thursday into Sunday, into Sunday night, into Monday. It's it's very rapid, and by the end of the season, like I'm like, cool. I need about four months. I'll look at the I, I, the draft. I love, but it's not actual football. Like, yeah, that's, that's more speculation, all that stuff. But that's what that's by what's end, fun good. about it because you don't have to like think. Well, you do. Have, no, you do have to think. In football season, you don't have to think really. Yeah, it's, it's just, just you're just, just letting just, it happen. You're just kind of reacting to it and like taking it all in and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the draft season, you're actually putting thought process into it. And not to say that you don't do that in the regular season, but for it's the most, it's different. It's it's a different it's a different mindset. But I just think that with just the way it all is, like you go game, 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 and then boom, all of a sudden you have a week of nothing. Like that's a hard cutoff. But then again, you get that hard cutoff with the Super Bowl as well. So it's, yeah. it's tricky to like kind of like almost wean yourself off of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where the Spring League is going to kind of maybe take that up a little bit and like you know, like support fans through the off season. And hey, I, w- I wonder look, how it's going to go. I wonder how it's yeah. going to go, but it's because that league goes for what till like May or June or I think so. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So like, then you're really, it's like, Oh, Hey, we're like one and a half, two months away. Yeah. From all, like, it, it, if, training if you truly camp. are a football fanatic, where like you, you can watch it all the time. Like mm-hmm. it'll get you right into effectively training camps. Right. You'll have like a month before. Okay. And it's also show up. what I think is going to be cool about that is, I wonder how many players can make the jump from that league to the NFL with the fact that they can showcase what they have. Because it's, it's happened a couple times. I always wonder, though. Like you're, I, I just, I don't ever expect you'll really get a superstar. I, look, some, no, some, someone but, is going to get through the cracks and, and and be legitimately like very, very good. But you'll get a role player or two. Yeah, and and, and, and that's fine. And, that's you'll, and you'll get that one guy that's like on your practice squad that all of a sudden, boom, he comes out of nowhere. And hey, this guy was Duke Williams. What what are they called again? Is it? It's the XFL combined with. The, I think it's the UFL, United Football League. Okay. Yeah, so that's All what right. that's So they kind of combined the two names because yeah. it was the USFL and the XFL. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I I just I'm. It'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting. I'll check it out to start just because you know I, I'm interested. But after that, I it's gonna be really tough to keep me engaged, especially because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many of these like spring leagues you've watched. You find out real quick <laughs> yeah. that like even bad quarterback play in the NFL is typically better than these, and it really allows the games to be watchable. Yeah, by having just even slightly solid quarterback play, and these spring leagues really have not had that. I remember I was a huge fan of the AAF. You oh, that the one? first one, yeah, when we were in that college. Was like the, yeah. That was like the first one since the XFL, and, yeah. like the original XFL. And I, think, I think it was Luis Perez for the Birmingham Iron. I was like a huge fan <laughs> of him. He was the only guy like worth anything for like three weeks, and just, I mean, he went off a cliff, and I'm like, I hate this. I don't even remember. This is terrible. I don't remember most of the teams. That was impressive that you remembered the Birmingham Iron. I think it was the Birmingham The Gridiron, I think it was. Birmingham yeah. Gridiron. And then I think now. there was like the San Diego Armada. Yeah, and yep. there was like a blue and yellow team with a ship, and I was like, "That's a cool logo. I like that team." And I just kind of checked in on it every once in a while, and then I saw like a month and a half in, they were like, "Yeah, we don't have any money left." So this is which over. was like the least surprising thing. Yeah, ever. yeah, but it was it was fun because like it, again, it was like that thing where you it carried you a little bit through the off season, where you got like, "Okay, cool. Like we got that little bit of football left, and we're gonna get to you know the off season." Oh, now. Totally right, Birmingham Iron. Let's wow, go. Wow, look at you. Look at that me. was impressive. That's yeah. that's gonna be a trivia question in a bar someday, and like. 10 years and i will get it wrong and you're at gonna, that point <laughs> you're gonna i will wrong. have forgotten and get it wrong oh and i'll have a lot of confidence too i'll be like oh, i remember this i remember this and i totally missed it you're all right the, cool the birmingham ironing boards is what you're gonna say no i'll remember the gridirons the that's, gr- oh that's, the, I, one. that's yeah, the one that's, that's gonna what's gonna one. stick out in your head yep uh do have some news to pass along if you did miss it uh the buffalo bills announced some coaching updates um they did not have to wait long to have a linebackers coach or defensive line coach al hokum is the new bills linebackers coach while marcus west is the bills defensive line coach of course with that um you do have coach washington going over to chicago where he's going to be their defensive coordinator and then of course bobby babich he leaves his linebackers coach to be elevated the Bills defensive coordinator I love position. It. I love that. Move. I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm excited at the idea, mm. but I mean Iron Sacapacho has brought up a, n- a number of times as well, and, and it's kind of been the main point of everything is you know is Babich actually going to be calling plays? Yeah, and I, when do you think we'll see that? Like when do you think we'll have the first? I think, I think we'll know at the combine because mm. that will be a question for uh, McDermott and Bean. Oh, that's true, yeah. When, when they're there. And if if they duck the question, I guess I'll be a little concerned in the sense of, like, all right, they re- either they really don't know or the answer is likely it's McDermott. I would like to see Babbage because if it's not him, I do wonder why he took the job. How would you feel if it was a hybrid? Where it I'm, was, I'm fine with Where it, it was, you know, hey – He's going to call some of it, and McDermott's going to call some of it. They're going to work together. It's a together. collaborative effort. Yeah, and then like, at, and then they, you know, like I don't know if they would say this outright, but if they have like some sort of a plan, like where it's like, okay, for the first few weeks or the first year, mm-hmm. like let's just say it's a minimum of a year, he has to like do it like hybrid with McDermott, where they're like collaborating on the play calls, like, and and then there's like an evaluation, and then. Kind of, kind of like how McDermott did it this year where, right. you know, if, if it was going poorly, he was going to hand it over. I, I think the plan was always if it was going poorly, Eric Washington would effectively become the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. That never obviously happened. The Bills defense was playing good for much of the year, really until injuries. But I think that would make I think it would make them. sense. Like if you're worried about a rookie, a rookie defensive coordinator, you know, like you have a defensive head coach, you can use that to your advantage and say, all right, you're going to work really yeah. closely with me and then you're going to branch off on your own next year. I don't know if I'd love that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would like it more than if McDermott did it by himself. I wonder if this year was more that. 
What's where that? Babbage was linebackers coach, but was really in tune, in tune at the hip of McDermott, mm-hmm. learning how to call plays for the defense, learning his own craft, so that this year they would elevate him. And it's, I think I think it it says a lot that Washington Eric Washington was gone fairly quickly to Chicago for a defensive coordinator position. Mm-hmm. Because that, to me, seems like he was never or didn't feel like he was ever really in the running yeah. to be Bill's defensive coordinator. And while Babbage was taking inter- or was being requested for interviews, I don't even necessarily know if he took many of them, but he was being requested for interviews, he was then elevated. Well, and- so I do wonder if the Bill's plan was always for Babbage to eventually take over. And just this year, you're going to you know be McDermott's shadow, learn what he's doing, all that stuff, and then eventually, boom, it's yours. And to that point, too, like, you saw when he was when there was talk of you know requested for interviews or taking interviews whatever it was, mm-hmm. I think it was like probably a day or less than a day later it was announced that he was defensive coordinator. Yeah, he, like he, he, it was, that it, was the Giants it, one was pretty quick. I think he ended yeah. up actually taking that one. It was two days after the Miami requested one. Okay. I don't even think he ended up actually taking that interview either because I think it was supposed to be later in the week. Well, yeah, but it's it's almost like like. The point of like, okay, what if he was working closely with McDermott this mm-hmm. year to move yep. to the defense, and then all of a sudden teams start requesting him, and the Bills are like, nope, yeah, never mind, never <laughs> mind, we got we got to get on that now. Yeah, so like, I, I it's great on the Bills part, I think, because it's 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 an asset you don't want to lose. Like, yeah, he seems like a great young defensive mind, and to put him with McDermott, who has had his fair share of amazing defensive play calls mm-hmm. this season alone, I think it's going to be great. I'm just worried of. The just like can can he adapt in the moments he has to adapt? Because that's the one thing I've always wondered about McDermott is like his ability to change on the fly yeah. in in defensive ends of things, not on offense, but in in the defensive side of things. I wonder like how well great in the regular he's able season, it, really tough numbers in the playoffs. Right, of course, a lot of those were Leslie Frazier this year was McDermott. You know, just he was the sole figure Solely, for the yeah. defense, but. That is going to be an interesting topic, especially with a lot of turnover coming on the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, as much as wide receiver has kind of become the hot button topic for the Bills in round one, it is absolutely a huge need for the Bills. So is defensive tackle. So is safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and those are going to be big positions as well late in round one. I mean, Devondre Sweat out of Texas is somebody who I think really could be a huge game changer for Buffalo just with how big he is, how good he has been for Texas. And then Cameron Kitchens, the safety out of Miami as well, both likely are going to be available at 28. They're not even going to have to trade up to get them, not even trade back. Like just, they'll likely be there. And it's, just, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I do wonder if they try to set up Babbage better as defensive coordinator mm-hmm. and knowing how good the wide receiver class is, they go to it later being, you know, kind of under the assumptions that, well, it's a very deep class. We'll be fine. We'll handle that. Later, we'll do, you know, the top end defensive players now because it is needs. I don't, you know, I don't want to act like it's only wide receiver. It's not. I mean, they're going to have like three defensive tackles on the roster. Like now. Right. I, mean, I think it's like Oliver and that's it, really? Yeah. Well, could you could you see them? And then safety, I mean, you know. Could you see him potentially moving up in the second round? Absolutely. Like, could you see him trying to trade that pick they already have and package it with something else? I, draft, Absolutely. Draft picks in football They're They're, they're going to have likely <laughs> 10 draft picks this right. year. Yeah. I could – The value Mc, of them McDermott, McDermott loves to trade up. Yeah. I could absolutely see if a guy like a Jalen Polk is still available or if they really fall in, some, in love with somebody like Aladdin McConkney or Roman Wilson moving up in the second round. 
to get a guy that they like. Well, yeah, because I wonder if you could somehow move up in the second round, draft uh, draft defense in the first round. I can't believe I just said that. I hate that. But I want them to go offense first round, defense second round. What what are the like the two avenues here of move up in the first round or move up in the second round to take offense and move up in the second round to take defense? Like which would mm-hmm. be more likely, do you think? Like out of those defensive guys you were bringing up, yeah. are, what's the likelihood of them dropping to the second round like early on, like the early 40s, late 30s? I think fairly high. Yeah. I think, I think fairly high just because safety in round one is always kind of a, a, a question mark of, of terms of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then defensive tackle, kind of the same thing. Right. You know, it's, it's always kind of a question mark. We can talk more about this, though. We do have to take a quick time out. And if you want to join our conversation, talking a little bit of the NFL draft here, Senior Bowl week is all but wrapped up. The game is tomorrow. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, you can hang out with us. 803-0550 is the number. And coming up later today at 1130 in just about an hour, we'll be joined by new UB football head coach Pete Lembo. He will join the show at 11.30. That's coming up in just about an hour. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you here on the Extra Point Show. And this is WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know, it's always interesting to see who stands out amongst this group and, and who's truly putting in the effort because I think there are always a dozen or two players that you that kind of stand out. And of that group, there has to be at least four or five where you say they absolutely helped themselves, right? They came into this week maybe as a day three pick, and now we're talking about them as a top 100 choice or something. So when they get on the field, go head-to-head against some of the top competition, it, it can't help it but improve your stock. Eric Edholm on the station earlier this week. You can find him over at NFL.com. And we are very much in the nitty-gritty here in draft season. I put up my first draft profile up at our website, WGR550.com, that was posted late last night. And I want to jump into a lot of the receivers. I I do. As much as I was talking there at the end of the segment of just kind of thinking that defense may be where the bills go just due to value, I still I look at guys like Brian Thomas Jr., who mm-hmm. that was my first profile of the year. 
of just like they can make immediate impacts, which it seems like the Bills have always leaned that way when they when they do draft players. They do want that instant impact. They don't want a guy that they're just going to kind of shelf for a little bit. He'll help out a little bit here and there and then really pop off year two. They they want immediate impacts right away, which is you know why they've drafted cornerbacks, why they've drafted defensive tackles, edge rushers and such. Thomas Jr., I feel like, is a guy that can come right in and just beat. He's he's going to be the fastest player on the Bills' offense. He can fill that number two role beautifully. He's tall, incredibly fast, a long range in terms of his, catch, his catching radius. And I just, I still, I'm just, I'm at a point. I don't know if the Bills will do it. I just don't. As much as I, like, I get excited at the McDermott and Bean comments during their exit press conferences, them talking about, you know, they, they know they lacked explosive plays. McDermott actively defends himself and even kind of, like, gets descriptive going, like, hey, I cut my teeth with Andy Reid, all right? <laughs> like, I'm here to pass first, and that's how I want to win. And to me, I take that seriously, that he did go into describe it. He didn't just say, yeah, I like passing. Or, you know, or kind of brush it off and go, you know, I you know we, we play complimentary football. We, we, we play to win the game. You know, nothing like that. He got descriptive. He, he, mm. he really wanted you to know, no, no, I think passing first wins. And so, for me, it... If they go defense in round one, mm-hmm. if it's a defensive tackle or safety, I will understand the pick and I'll be fine with it. I honestly, what if I'll it's a okay. cornerback? That's where I'll be mad. I, okay. Honestly, it, there will be certain positions because they do I will be need mad. cornerbacks. Not really, but well, not you don't, totally. You don't, no, but you, okay, you don't need it in the first round, but you don't know what you're getting with Trey White coming up. Yes, under, absolutely, which, absolutely, which, which sucks. I I hate that. You have Rasul Douglas. Perfect. That's great. At least for another year. Yep. You have. Benford. Kind of, oh, you have Benford. That's true. I forget about Benford. You have kind of Kyrie Elam, but you don't. We don't really know, really know what we you don't have. Really know there. how the Bills feel but about him, other than like he doesn't play. I also think part of it this year, at least, was that injury that kind of popped up. Yeah, he went on IR like, for a little bit. Yep. Nobody really talked about it, and then all of a sudden, hey, he's got a foot injury. It's like, oh, well, that maybe is reason to believe why everything yep. was the way it was. But you know, I'm sitting here saying like, I don't. I guess it's okay if they draft offense or defense first. If they draft offense, like immediately in the second round how many of these draft profiles if you if you know yet how many of them are wide receivers that you're doing <laughs> oh i kind of want to put up like eight or nine yeah and, and and it's not it's not necessarily all first round guys it is guys that i could see the bills taking in round two in round mm-hmm. three my fear though josh comes in is i'll i'll you know it's not even like just me but like we'll get all into this wide receiver craze you know, looking at how loaded this class is. I mean, it is truly one of the deepest talent-wise classes at a certain position we've we've really seen in, in quite some time. And they draft a defensive tackle in round one. That's fine. It's a needed position. Trevondre Sweat, fantastic. As long as it's... A- award-winning defensive tackle. As long as it makes money... Need. Or it makes money, jeez. Uh, makes... What's the word? Val- makes sense value-wise. Makes sense value-wise. It, it would positionally-wise in terms of what you need. Where I would get frustrated is, okay, we'll get to round two. And they take a safety. Mm, and yeah. now you're sitting here in round three going, okay, you need to. Like, it's not it's not a joke anymore. Like, <laughs> right. Th- that position is bad. Mm. It's not a talented group of receivers the Bills have. And you're losing guys already. Gabe Davis going to free agency. Trent Shurfield was on a one-year deal. And you also so you can't. you already are at a limited amount of guys that are even on the roster. And you can't really add either in your current cap situation. Like, you can't go out and get Mike Evans or Michael Pittman. Yeah, no, like, gosh, no. You can't even get. You're hoping like, a Darnell Mooney on a one year deal, right. maybe. And yeah, you can't even get like the middle crop. You have to go like bargain bin hunting potentially yeah. in free agency. And so, where like I'm coming off as like I'm sounding nervous, and I and I am a little bit just because I haven't really seen the Bills put a ton of front end capital into the into wide receiver specifically, but also offense really until last year. Mm-hmm. 
it would be it would be malpractice if they didn't. Right. I mean, like that's the thing. It it would be a really stunningly bad move if they didn't, because they just do not have the talent and really even the bodies at that position to warrant not investing heavily in that position. What are we going to do if they draft one in the first round and then none for the rest of the draft? Like, how would you feel? Like, not regardless of who it is. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you feel if? It's it's all this talk and, and hype of, you know, we want to go passing, we want to focus and, and, on and, that. And then they draft the guy in round one, Brian Thomas Jr., Troy Franklin, you know, whoever it whoever. is. Yeah, as long as it, as long as it makes sense, like, value-wise, again, because like, that's the main thing at the yeah. end of the first round is not reaching, but also not picking someone that's been falling a lot, because like, then it's like, okay, well, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like that guy, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, defense is the focus for the rest of the way. Or offensive line is going to be like our fourth round pick and then like we need oh we need like a a punter too so we're going to take him in the sixth round like granted they have 10 picks so like i don't think it i don't think it would go that way but well, i'm just I, I really think, curious I, like how it's, it's, it's more like a, they take a receiver in the first round and the next guy isn't taken until sixth yeah even that but i was more so saying like like i wonder how it would be perceived if it's first round wide receiver and that's it and then there's no other wide receivers mm-hmm because like you did uh, yeah, do yeah. what you kind of set out to do in the sense of getting an elite talent, but it almost seems right like away. you were forced to do it. Like at the end of um, Buddy Nix's tenure here, where mm-hmm. it was like he needs to draft a quarterback. Don't really care that the quarterback class is atrocious with like guys like Ryan Nassman, EJ Manuel leading the way, or Geno yeah. Smith, right? And he just kind of takes one, and that's it. And then just is like, yeah, whatever. I I just didn't want the fans to revolt. <laughs> it would kind of feel like that similar situation where it's like you had all this talent, and it almost feels like you didn't even want to take one, but you mm-hmm. knew you had to. Or fans would be, you know, up in arms, pitchforks yeah. and, and and torches galore. I, I I could see some fans reacting that way or or having that feeling. Um, I I just I I don't think that would happen. I I really no. don't like with the way they've talked and the way this draft class is set up. I don't think that there'd be anything close to that. That that's where just, I'm at for me is it's it's too talented of a position in a class that is a drastic need for the Bills. They're a team that needs wide receivers, have kind of openly said they know they need big plays. They also have an offensive coordinator who, for much of his you know kind of career before even coming to Buffalo, was known as a pass-first guy. Mm-hmm. I would be really stunned if, if they only took one guy. I really, really would. I'd be stunned if it was two defensive players in a row, and then if they even have a third-round pick. I, I believe that's where it would go for the compensatory I, I pick. I think so. That's what everybody – I think it's the end of the third yeah. round, like 99, I think the, the pick would be. But I would be stunned if like that was the first time they took a receiver. It would Because to me, it would then just be like, what are we doing here? Unless like you people, have this unless people are falling. Like if people well, fall, oh, yeah, then if, there's if certain people a are different falling, conversation. Sure. But, but, but I don't it, think it, that many people would fall. Yeah, you're not you're not all of a sudden going to get like Roman Wilson. At, I I don't think at least at this point at 99th overall to be your first receiver you take off the board or Lad McConkney. Yeah. I mean it, remember Carolina has no receivers as well and they have the first pick in the second round. They're taking somebody <laughs> who does fall almost immediately. They're t- they're they're gonna like Carolina here. They're gonna take a first round wide receiver in the second in the second round. They, they, they are, they're going it, to get lucky in the sense of all right, cool. Yeah. There's so many guys, someone's going to fall who should have been taken in the round one. I, mm-hmm. I think, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if only five guys won the first round. Because of how loaded the position is, teams will go for less loaded uh, positions. Mm-hmm. Whether it be defensive tackle, or they go a cornerback, or quarterbacks even. I right. mean, I, I think Michael Penix is somebody that's going to fall into the second round. 
mm-hmm. and you could see somebody you know maybe jumping in from the second round, jumping back into the first to grab him, just in case. Just, well, nah, well, just not- in case they get the fifth year option there. Right. If, if it's a first, if it's first round quarterback, you'll get the, first, uh, the fifth year option. So I, I could see that as well, and, and and that's where I think it can get a little interesting in how this draft class could go, where we're all expecting seven, eight wide receivers to go, and in the end, only five do because everyone else is like, well, that position's not nearly as talented as that one. We'll wait because we like like nine guys coming up in the next round, and we'll be fine with anyone we take. That's how I could see it playing out. That's where I could see the Bills taking somebody like a Trevondre Sweat out of out of Texas, like a Cameron Kitchens out of Miami, because they're like, well, it's the best player at their position that we have on our board, and we're down to like the sixth wide receiver. Right. Yeah. But, but we That's like a, a ton of guys in round two. Well, that goes back to like your your point earlier with like the EJ Manuel draft. It's like don't feel forced to take which like they like, totally were. Well, yeah, but it's like in this scenario, they they. They can't feel forced to take something that's not the value they value mm-hmm. it at. And if – I don't really know. Like, teams don't usually do this. But if they if they come out and, like, said, like, hey, look, we had guys on our board, but they weren't at the value of where we were, then I I would feel okay with that. But it's it's more so just the fact of, like you said, it's the glaring need. It's the biggest problem. The elephant in the room is – you need more wide receivers. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's that's my thing, and that's it's almost what's calming me is just like it it's 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 it is the elephant in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. It's you can't ignore it. Diggs is now into his thirties. Gabe Davis is going to be a free agent. Your free agent acquisitions did not work out. You know, I like Khalil Shakir. He's a limited wide receiver, and what he can do, he's not an outside guy. He's a slot guy, and then you have Dalton Kincaid. Like, don't give me Justin Shorter is all of a sudden going to like be this guy. I get some fans were excited about him. Let's relax. I mean, Shakir, basically, this is no discredit to Isaiah McKenzie because I love Isaiah McKenzie. He's a better version of Isaiah McKenzie. Like, he can catch the ball they, they, better. You mean they can actually play him in the slot? Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's, exactly. That's, that's what made him his bet. Like, I mean, Isaiah McKenzie was a utility guy. Yep. They tried to make him a legit slot receiver, and they were like, that didn't work at yeah, all. Because Shakir's like, I can do that. Right, which is great. I, I loved how he developed at the end of the year, but you need, like, that one You need the outside piece. guys. You, you need yeah, somebody that right. can actually develop into Stephon Diggs. And that's the most they've done at wide receiver is trade a first round pick for Diggs, but that also came because they had I think ten targets thrown Duke Williams's way in a playoff game. I mean that's kind of what happened in this last game. I mean Allen had what twenty six completions under two hundred yards passing. You're you're missing big plays. There's something wrong there, and so I hope that be, because they have always seemed to like answer the bell, that they will again. I just until I do see it. There was always going to be a lingering fear. It was the same thing of like running back in the first round for years, where everyone was talking about how oh the Bills could you know, they really need a running back. You know what? Why not Brees Hall? Why not be John Robinson if he's there? Why blah 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 blah. Until the Bills picked, it was always kind of like a are they going to do it? Could they do it? <laughs> it was you know when Bijan went off the board, it was one thing, but like you know Najee Harris that year as well. Yep. It was like until they actively passed on Brees Hall, there was always this kind of feeling of like. They never really had the chance to. If that player's there, are they going to do it? And and that's the thing is like, until like you have that moment where it's like they're not going to do it. There is that fear. It's the same thing with receiver. I I think absolutely they're going to do it if certain guys fall, which they almost definitely will. But then you do sit there and go, will they? they kind of always favor drafting defense in the in the early rounds. Let's see what happens. The, I mean, the highest receiver that's been taken in the McDermott era, not even just Bean, is Zay Jones in the second round. When Bean's been GM, the highest receiver they've taken has been Gabe Davis. So mm-hmm. it is always interesting. I remember my uh, my wide receiver, or not wide receiver, my running back, and he got picked before the Bills could pick, was Travis Etienne. 
I was oh, so... Oh, Etienne, like, that's another name. I yeah. was watching yeah. him fall, and I'm like, oh my God, there he is. There, here we go. He's going to get there. And then, I mean, the Bills got Gregory Rousseau, which is great, but... I still remember that, and I was ETM like, was the big name too. Yeah, let's go to the phones here before we take our next time out. We got Marvin and Tonawanda. Marvin, good morning. How we doing? Marvin, are you there? Marvin is not there. That is a shame. That is a shame. I mean, it's a Friday morning though for you. Yeah. That's a Friday morning. I get it. That's okay. That's all right. I'm a little upset now though. I was like, that's gonna be a nice transition into the break. And you, yeah. It's a shame. Well, now you could just you know. It's a shame. I do want to talk, though. We're going to take our quick time out here. I want to get, Josh, your thoughts real quick. I talked a little bit about it last night in the nightcap, but the big news in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari, I've tried to decide how that would be in other sports. Oh, I, I already I already know. All right, I've good. thought about that I kinda, a little bit. I kind of want to jump into that, so we'll do that after a quick timeout. If you want to join me and Josh, 803-0550 is the number. You're listening to the X Point Show, and this is WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out here on a Friday, filling in here on the Extra Point. So, Josh, you just said something real quick before we came back Yeah, break. so Kevin Weeks tweeted something out a couple minutes ago, and it's got to do with the, the whole international stuff. So he says, quote, this is reading direct, directly from the tweet, I'm told that the NHL and NHLPA players are tracking to participate in the 2026 Winter Olympics in Milan and the 2030 Olympics as well. Of note, likely no NHL All-Star game next year. Okay. And that would be for international competitions? I'd be okay with that. I don't know because it's because the Winter Olympics are in 2026 and next year would be 2025 yeah. when the All-Star game would be. You know what, though? I'm, uh, I'm all for any international events for sports. I'm a huge fan of them always. So if we get more of those, I'm, I'm happy for it. I can't stand when some international competitions have it where you have to have like either amateurs or, or mm-hmm. your professionals can't play because like their league won't stop. It's like soccer in the Olympics. Yeah, it, well, it's my thing too. Like I always think about like you know if here because because this last World Cup had to be in Qatar, so it was happening you know during the winter. I'd have been furious if certain leagues like just refused to stop playing, so like their players couldn't go to the World Cup because like that's that's like. Like the beautiful part of sports is international competitions. Yes, like when you're 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 there for your country, the whole thing. It's why yes, I did an Olympic sport all my life, but that's why I have such a love for the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics and all that. I mean, the Summer Olympics is this summer in Paris. I can't wait. I'm ecstatic, and I haven't watched like I haven't sat down and watched swimming in like three years, <laughs> and I can't wait. Like it, it, it it's it. There's something about international competitions I absolutely love, and I, yeah, I, I think hockey absolutely should get back to doing I, that. I. I'm with Joe DiBiase wholeheartedly on this. The World Cup of Hockey was amazing. Like, that yes, was yes. hands down one of the best things that ever I happened. didn't like Team Europe and Team North America. Oh, I love Team North America. That was great. You had Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid as rookies on the same team. You were like, it's unfair, but like, like, let's do it. It's It was amazing. And I think Matthews was on that team, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was I would, awesome. I, I would team like... Europe, I'll kind of agree with you on, because you have so much yeah. variety there. But at the same time, 
that's kind of why they did it. You have so much variety where it's like if you had a team Germany and a team Czechoslovakia, you'd have like one or two NHLers and then everybody else. Well, I did see Czechoslovakia. I mean, I mean, connecting the two countries. Czechia, right? That is that's true. It is Czechia now, not. But like, yeah. and that's the thing too is like if you had a team North America and then like all the European countries, you're like, cool. So um, North America wins. Let's see where everyone else places. Well, yeah, but like with North America, it was like it was like the rookies. Like there was like everyone like under the age of twenty five. They I think still it was. win. I don't know. I mean, if if, if, if and, and we're going off this is like then it's just all the European countries. Well, and well, no, it's not, it's not team, North, team Europe. It's it Team North just, America, you know, Team USA, Team Canada, Team Europe. And I don't know how they would do Russia because of everything going on there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, how that's going to be interesting. But but I, I think if in this iteration of World Cup of Hockey, because I think I think it was Sweden and mm-hmm. North America in the finals last time. Yep. And I think North America won. Okay. I can't remember, but yeah, I think I in thought this... it was Canada and North America. No, it was Canada and Europe. I think. I, I don't know. What was it? Two thousand sixteen was twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, I think but, it was Canada and North and uh, Europe. Okay. Well, but this time around, Canada. And USA would be the juggernauts because you don't have any of those McDavid, Matthews. Mm-hmm. Those guys wouldn't be on Team North America this time. Eichel. Like, they would all be on their respective countries. And then you would have the next, you know, group of young yeah. kids coming up. For uh, North the America. 2016 World Cup of Hockey did finish with Canada beating Team Europe 3-1. Huh. Carey Price was and the that's how, for Canada. That's why. <laughs> and that's how uh, uh, the former head coach of the Sabres, I feel like, got a job. Yeah. Ralph Kruger was the coach of Team Europe. Real quick before we do take our next time out, I do want to jump in on this on this Lewis Hamilton two for yes. news. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. Yeah. Real, real quick on that, just it, it, to me, it's amazing because uh, a lot of a lot of the quote unquote it, it, this is what it's called in Formula One silly season when drivers will switch teams and it's it's stunning and all this stuff and and, and backhand <laughs> deals it, and so they they call it silly <laughs> season. I'm like, there are millions of dollars being traded here, people. This is not silly. It's like. At every best, other, every other sport, it's goofy. Every other sport has such cool names for that stuff. Like, like it's like the trade deadline or like the transfer market is open. Yeah, or, and they're like, there's like a three month window where just crazy stuff happens. Guys are just being silly. Yeah, just, it's just dudes just being dudes. <laughs> like, and that's what it is. But so, so he leaves for Ferrari. There was a clause in his contract that he signed last year. He heads over there after this season. So he'll, this will be his final season in Mercedes. Carlos signs. This will be his final season in Ferrari. Both. Uh, parties talked about that. Carlos Sainz even released a message to Ferrari fans, basically telling them, I'm going to give him my all this year, which is phenomenal. Love Carlos. I was immediately thinking of like what this is in like other sports terms. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It can't be like prime Patrick Mahomes going over to a great team. That's not what it is. Lewis Hamilton's 39 years old. Right. Or, or whoever. He's in his late 30s. He, his career is cemented. He's only adding to his legs. He really can't hurt it. Mm-hmm. To me, though, we did kind of have this in football. It was Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. Right, but he didn't really go to a rival team. Well, not even just a rival team. He didn't go to really a team with much history. Tampa had a Super Bowl, yes, but Tampa's always kind of just been like an eh team. Mm-hmm. Like they have a Super Bowl win, but they're not. no one really thinks about them too much when they think of the NFL football. To me, it, it came down to, and there's also another important piece here. Yes, they have two drivers, but Carlos Sainz is being taken out for Lewis Hamilton to go in. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was... It would be like if Tom Brady left the Patriots to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Steelers quarterback at the time was Jared Goff. A solid QB can get it done if you got him good weapons and a good OC. He can absolutely get you to an AFC, NFC Championship, a Super Bowl. I mean, he's, he's done that. He's gone to an NFC Championship. He's gone to a Super Bowl with the Rams. Mm-hmm. And just being like, all right, gone. 
leave. <laughs> and it would also be like if right before the season started, it was announced that it was happening the next year. That yeah. like instead of right. a retirement tour, it was, hey, so like play for us this year, do as best as you can, and then leave and never come back. And to me, that is just, <laughs> it is mind-boggling. It is, that is an insane thing to do. See, the first thing I thought of when I saw all this stuff was, this in hockey terms, this would be like Sidney Crosby going to the Washington Capitals. Right now. Like Sidney, well, even a couple years ago. A couple like right, years ago. Right, right, right now, now, Crosby yeah. is like kind of falling off a little bit. But like a couple years ago, he was still like kind of Sidney Crosby. Like yeah. here he is. Isn't he on that, like a 100-point pace this year? He might be. That's true. He did have he he did have kind of a resurgence this year, but last year he wasn't yeah what he was. But this would be like him going to the Capitals, or yeah. I was even thinking oh, yeah. of he's stuff. At, he's at fifty points right oh, now. Boy, uh, just go away. Um, <laughs> but this would also be kind of like I don't know if it'd be this aggressive. This would be like Derek Jeter at the end of his career or near the end of his career going to like Boston. Boston, yeah, something like that. Because I mean, that's the thing too. Like you have to have a team with history. Like Ferrari right. is the most successful constructor in. I think even just auto or motorsports, but definitely. What if it was that same example of Jeter leaving the Yankees but going to like L.A.? Oh, like the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers. The Dodgers Dodgers have a great. The Dodgers would work. The Angels would not. The Dodgers would work. I don't think Boston would work. I I don't know if Boston would work as much because they're like pitted rivals. Whereas with the Yankees and the Dodgers, it's more so like just there. Yeah. No, I I, no, I, I can think it could work. Got to take another quick timeout, and coming up in just about a half hour, UB football head coach Pete Lembo will join me and Josh as he takes over the job. Got hired at the end of January, coming back to the MAC. Had a number of seasons at Ball State, including a 10 1 season. We'll hear from him coming up at 11 30. And if you want to join the show, you can do so 803 0550. Me and Josh taking your calls after this timeout. You're listening to the X Point Show. This is WGR. What, where are you going next? You have two picks in a row. I think we need uh, a defenseman. Yeah, he, there's, on, yeah. there's only a handful of them here. Right. We're going to go with Rasmus Dahlin. Oh, filthy. Ah. Nobody breaks ankles like Rasmus Dahlin at the blue line. This guy is like a young Allen Iverson. He is filthy. He'll join a strong offensive juggernaut right now. Buffalo Sabres defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. Playing with Team McDavid? Yes. Yeah, He'll be exciting. with uh, former Saber Sam Reinhardt. Who's having such a good yeah. year. I want yeah. to check. How many does he have this year so 35? far? 35? Oh, boy. That is, that is quite a bit. That is quite um, a bit. I'm guessing, that Mc, I'm guessing Darlene is going to have like six assists to Reinhardt. Oh, man. He has 37 goals. 37. Wow. He picked oh, it up. Oh, baby. That's crazy. Wow. He, also, he's I would like to be a 50 goals. I'd like to point out that last night during that draft, they were playing songs after each pick. And it was like the same song, like songs for the teams. Yeah. Um, for Nathan McKinnon's team, his celebrity all star that's with him is Tate McRae. And she is a up and coming pop star, whatever. From Canada, right? From Canada. Yeah. Um, and. Apparently, she's very big into hockey. I mean, she's from Canada, so, like, everyone from Canada is. It feels like it's part of the culture, yeah. But, like, I guess some of her music is, like, hockey-based or something. I don't know. Um, I don't really know her that well. But one of her songs, like, her main song was their draft song. And I was listening to that pick this morning with Darlene from McDavid's team. I'm pretty sure that McDavid's team's song was Higher by Creed. Okay. And that is great, just leaning into the meme. I love it. Because that song has become such a great meme over the past like four mm-hmm. months, 
and it's the best thing ever. And 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 it's usually like sports that are utilizing it, which is just it's awesome. I love it. I just wanted to point that out because I could hear it like underneath. <laughs> You're like I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. We've got Bob in Blaisdell. Bob, good morning. How are we doing today? Good. How are you? Doing very well. I have a couple questions on the Sabers. I I'm more than frustrated with with not seeing the playoffs for so long, but. I, I don't understand why Yuri Kulik has not got a shot with the Sabres this year. I think that he, it by far, is their best prospect. And do you think they'll do anything at the trade deadline? Um, Kevin Adams has just kind of been asleep at the wheel. I haven't really mm-hmm. seen anything from him in so long. And they talked about the Sabres prospect pool being the best in in hockey for, for the last few years. You haven't heard that the last two. Mm-hmm. Just wondering your thoughts. Yeah, Bob, thanks for the call. Um I I wish I was gonna sound positive here. I really I'm gonna hey, try I'm gonna try to it. not feel negative. It's Friday. Don't do that. I said last night on the nightcap, I I'm not ready for my time of peace to come to an end with the Sabres. I've like kind of enjoyed them not playing. Because I'm so, I'm just, I'm so done with them. And every time I watch them, I just get frustrated. And it's stuff like what Bob's saying, where Quinn goes down, he's out for at least eight weeks. It, it doesn't look to be an Achilles injury again. I, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but I know Lance Lasowski's of the Buffalo News, his first initial report said that it did not appear to be uh, the Achilles. It did look to be just lower body, but not there, which is which is fantastic. But I, I think the caller's right. Like, wh- why are we not calling up Yuri Kulik or Isak Rosan or... Any of these young guys who are faster, add a scoring touch, do anything other than just not anything, which seemingly is half the roster. They just aren't doing anything. The power play is a disaster. It's inactive. Like it's, it's just, just there. it's not NHL caliber. You know, it's it's funny. We were before we went on air, Sneaky Joe got me going on a little bit of a hockey rant, and then it's kind of died down and now I can feel it like and now it's coming back. building back up because one of the things he said to me was that Tage Thompson's shooting percentage on the power play or scoring percentage on the power play with, with his shots. I think it was went from twenty two percent last year to like four percent this year. It's because he's the only it's, option. They have not touched anything with the power play other than oh, I mean Tage is gonna be open on the one timer. No, he's uh, not except he's not. <laughs> like, like except everyone figured that out. And you have and granted, I know he's been out for most of the year. You have an elite shooter in Jack Quinn. You have an elite shooter in Yuri Kulik who's in the AHL. Like, if your whole thing is let's get it to the guy that can shoot well. Put some more guys that can shoot well on your power play. Don't have just Tage Thompson there. And, and yeah, you know, Alex Tuck, he's got a good shot. And, and Dylan Cousins, he can do it too. Those guys are your net front presence. Mm-hmm. They're your get in your face and, and cause a problem in front of the net. Yep. And then you have someone like Jeff Skinner out there too. I love Jeff Skinner on the power play, but he's not a shooter. Yeah. He's a passer, and he's a skill guy, and he's like that little guy that gets all of a sudden – Squeaks in and gets the rebound. He gets scrappy goals and stuff like that. But so you have that issue. And then what Bob brought up too, like like the trade deadline. Are they going to do anything? Probably not. There is there is movement. Apparently there's a trade about to happen. There's not full details yet. Uh, Pierre Lebrun tweeted it out about 30 minutes ago. Um, Still not finalized. Details still working out. But all indications are that the Montreal Canadiens are trading Sean Monaghan to the Winnipeg Jets. Monaghan, to me, it's... You don't know what you have there because he's been hurt a lot of the past few years. Mm-hmm. But it's a trade, and it's a. it used to be a pretty big name. He was relevant for a long time in Calgary. Gets hurt, gets sent to Montreal, kind of has a little bit of a comeback, 
But again, you don't really know what you're getting there. But at the same time, it's a trade. I just and I, it's I, something I, I that's look happening. At this, I look at this league, and it's not even just the Sabers. It does feel it's like everybody. It, yeah, it feels like NHL GMs don't want to do anything. They just nope. want to draft guys and then keep the prospects there, and then not really doing anything. And then there's a few teams that want to get a little aggressive. Like we were taking calls yesterday on Show with the Bulldog about teams you hate. You know, there doesn't have to be even a good reason. Like, just teams you hate. You know, all that stuff. The entirety of the NHL for never making a trade. Well, so, and someone brought up the fact that they were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. They, they just, they don't like them. They, they, they did not like them because they went to the finals their first year. They didn't like them because of all that stuff. And it was like, all right, I can understand that. You know why I like the Vegas Golden Knights? They're willing to do things. They're aggressive. They're willing to be aggressive to yeah. get to a cup. Look, did they get an unfair advantage the in year one? Yeah, no one denies that. Okay, wait, hold on. No, they did not have an unfair advantage because every team knew what was going to happen. Every team knew, hey, we're going to pick your players that you leave unprotected. Like that's going to happen. Wait, it, I mean, I mean, it was it was a bad system because it would have allowed Vegas to leapfrog a ton of teams because they're going to get a ton of talent that not, has been stockpiled. Not necessarily. If you're those teams, you have to evaluate your talent better. Florida traded them a pick to take Jonathan Marcheseau. Florida gave mm-hmm. them two right. players right. and a pick. And it ended up being two of the key pieces for the team. It was Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau. That's right. That's right. Just so they wouldn't take, I don't even know who it was. It was some guy that's not even on their team anymore. I think it was Oliver Ackman Larson. He's not oh, even boy. on their team anymore. And and it's that was the problem with, with Vegas. Or not the problem. That was the problem with the rest of the league when Vegas came into the league. They knew how to evaluate talent. Mm-hmm. And on some of them, yes, they got lucky. William Carlson, no one well, knew who he was. Exploded into what a forty goal scorer yeah. that first year he, in Vegas. He, he was insane his first year, and same, really hasn't been Alex, that guy since. No, and, and, yeah, and same with Alex Tuck. Like they, yeah. th- those were two guys where I said, yeah, you got lucky. But there were other moves that you look at at that expansion draft, and it's like, what the, what was the rest of the league doing? I just, yeah. So I, I look at like I'm just I like that Vegas got a taste of the cup and went. No, we're doing everything we can to get there. Yep. If that includes firing coaches, fine. If that includes trading guys that maybe we consider, you know, key pieces, fine. They traded their first ever draft pick for Max Pacioretty. Yeah. Like they they were there to make moves. And where I look at the Sabers, uh, our own Brayton Wilson, who does a lot of draft coverage for the NHL, mm-hmm. and and we'll jump on you know, here to talk about that and everything. He's been talking to us off air about a player he'd love to see the Sabres go get. Lowen O'Connor, a yes. third-line winger on the Colorado Avalanche, having a very good year, career year on the third line for Colorado. Only at, like, I think, 27 points. But as someone who's fast as hell and is producing on a third line, could absolutely jump in on that kid's line because, you know, the Sabres are relatively a slower team. Mm-hmm. And it's, it feels like the Sabres aren't going to do anything. We'll just hear the same song and dance of, well, you know, the young guys are coming up. You know, we're, we're, co- we're going through growing pains and all that stuff. Phenomenal. Great. Are we going to keep doing this for 15 years? Right. Like you have when to are you going to do anything? Up. You have to stop growing up eventually and retain the guys that have grown up with you. It's not even. It's not even. When are we going to start growing up? I mean, we're Josh. We're going to a certain point. You got to trade Skinner. He's not going to be good when you get good. Mm-hmm. Likely. Tuck is twenty eight years old. Don't are you, you, you going to be a, on him? But no. no. But in all seriousness, are you be a playoff <laughs> Don't team you go like, there? <laughs> but are you going to be a playoff team? He's thirty one, thirty two, and all of a sudden you're kind of sitting there going, eh, "All right, you're kind of at the at the tail end here." But, but what are we doing with Krebs? Not, What's his point on this team? Not necessarily with Tuck yet, because because you look at a lot of the players in the NHL right now, they're getting into their primes at twenty six, twenty seven, yeah. 
And their primes last most of them until 34. They're, last, they're lasting a little bit longer. But then you even add in the fact that, like, what was the point of bringing back Kyle Postones and McScurrentons? What are we doing here? Right. This It's not a serious organization. Until proven otherwise, the Sabres are not a serious organization. They're just not. They don't make trades. Sure, the drafting has been fun, but it's because they're garbage, so they have early picks, so we get excited about their draft picks. And and, and some of the some of the late round picks too have been great pickups statistically yeah, they're fine, and they're analytically. Finally figuring out how to draft. You've been yeah, bad for ten right. years. It, it'd be probably a good thing to pick up. Well, it's because you hired the right scouts. They actually started scouting again in Russia, which is you know there's an untapped potential they, they there with players. For years. Right. And and yeah, there's all the stuff going on in the world with that. So you, you, there's that side of things, but. Mm-hmm. It's more so the fact of the matter is that they're branching out and they're and they're building on stuff like that, but they haven't built in any other department besides that's, analytics I mean, that's, and that's scouting. That's all they've done. That is all they've done. Use, they use don't what you're, do anything else. Yeah, like use what you're learning in those departments. And in the first year where they had real, honest expectations, not like, oh, we made a few good moves. Let's see what happens. I mean, last season was garbage, but we made fun moves. So let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. You were one point out of a playoff spot last year, and your additions were – Keeping a Poso and Gergensons and two defensemen. One of which is I don't care that he's a number one overall pick. He never really did anything for Colorado. He was not or St. Louis or St. Louis, and a guy in Boston who was riding the bench by the end of the year. Yep, and he was kind of riding the coattails of well. What and we then see, what and we then see now, goaltender. Your planet goaltender was to have Devin Levi, who played half of the games. Ryan Miller did. When he won all of his awards in college, you got it, baby. We're going to throw you right in there. Have all the expectations in the world thrown at you, but we're going to throw you in there. We went to a game not that long ago, Josh, a few weeks ago. The Seattle game. Seattle game. And watching fans, I mean, just go after Levi. Multiple fans. Yeah. And my immediate thought was, this is on the Sabres. You threw a 21-year-old kid in there with six games of NHL experience and said, figure it out. Go do it. Honestly, what was your plan there? Honestly. It's why most of us during the offseason, after having the fun expectations, once the offseason began, we all were sitting there going, I don't love that. What are we doing? What is happening? Be willing to move off some of these picks. I've said it for weeks now. Matthew Savoy, what is he still doing in this organization? He will never find a spot on this roster. You've drafted too many forwards. There are too many talented forwards. And to make matters worse for him, the year after you drafted him, you drafted another player from his organization who was better and younger. Yeah. At the same You literally position. drafted his line mate. Yeah. Who was better and younger. Yeah. What is he still doing here? The his other, value is only going to deteriorate as we keep going. The one thing I will say about the goaltending thing, and I, I was kind of on the same boat of, like, we should probably – the Sabres should probably, you know, like we are looking at it as fans saying, hey, this is a little little weird here. And the one thing, though, was the the free agent market for goaltenders was not good. And if you're trying – and then also like trying to force a trade for a goaltender that will be good. Can be difficult. It's very difficult, and you're probably going to give up a lot. You're really going to get a guy that's at the end of his prime, and, and, you know, you're probably still going to give up too much for him. Because that team's going to be like, well, you know, he's Realistically, he's what they should have done was always, Levi will start in Rochester. It will be Uko Pekalukin and Eric Comrie. That is what we're going to ride with. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Most fans do know the goaltending market is bad. It's yeah. more the fact of it seems like they don't know what they're doing with Levi. Right now, he's with Rochester because Rochester doesn't have this week off. They keep going. And there, there has been, like, it, it's weird. Like, on Twitter, you'll see, like, one guy's reporting, 
or well, one people are talking not even really reporting it's just people are talking about oh well he's going to stay in Rochester no he's going to come back and it's like okay what's going to happen here like he's going to come back after the all-star break or is he going to stay there like it, it, i would like him to stay in Rochester mm-hmm. i think that'd be I a smart choice would. and if you go on a run somehow if you go on a run because Lukanen has been great in these back not back to backs but like every other game where you have three games in four days Lukanen has been great in those positions mm-hmm. If you can get him to continue that, and then you just have Eric Comrie here for like, hey, a game or two, we got to have you in there. We got to just give Lucan in a break. And you go on a run, then you bring Levi back up. He's built up his confidence in Rochester. He's played great. And then you, you continue your little whatever is happening at that point. If you don't go on a run, you leave him in Rochester. You, you see if he can help them get to some sort of a playoff spot. I don't even know if they're anywhere close to a playoff spot. I don't think they are. Uh, they, ten points away from Detroit, I believe. No, 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 no. It's Rochester. Oh, Rochester, Rochester. Rochester didn't start out great this year, but no, they did not. But my point being, though, is 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 Levi having just games under his belt are mm-hmm. is, the, is the important part right now. It's not NHL games. It's just playing hockey mm-hmm. because that's what the thing is with goalies is it they they age like wine because they take so long because you don't get them every single game. It's not like Zach Benson where he's playing every night and then, oh, hey, you've been playing every night for a month and you're 18 years old. We're going to give you a night off now, but you're going to play again tomorrow. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Got it. Good luck. But that's why those players develop faster because they play every single night. They, it's a different position too, so it's you know it's completely different development. But I just look at it and it's, it's, it's head-scratching on one end, but on the other end, like I said before, you, what other options did you have at goaltender? You're going to throw Eric Comrie in there and well, expect I, to make the playoffs? That's the thing. Like there wasn't really many options. It was just it, it felt like their their own their their entire plan was it's going to be Levi. Like it felt like they were comfortable with that. That that was more my issue. Is that it, it felt like they were very comfortable with it being I'm, Levi. I'm all for confidence too and being comfortable. But once you see that it's not working, you got to be able to pivot. You have to yeah. And like again, you have to have confidence in your guys. But when you when you first sent him down. Mm-hmm. They said they had a conversation with him. It went great. He was really excited about it. Whatever, optimistic, confident, whatever. That there, there's your answer. Like it would have, you would have seen right there. Hey, there was going to be no issue if we sent him down. Cool. Mm-hmm. See you next year. Like if you if you play great and we need somebody, you're coming up. Obviously, but yeah, like I don't know. I just I I, I don't know what they're going to do going forward now because you look at what. This could have done to his development compared to what Rochester could have done, and I wonder what that would have looked like. Mm-hmm. But this is your bed. You you made it. You got to lay in it, and you figure it out from here. And it's just it feels like we are spinning our wheels. We're going nowhere, and we just as fans, it, it's again, it's just it it's a, it's a very toxic relationship. For all the goodwill they built up last year. They burnt it to the ground because even last year they couldn't stop a puck from going to the back of the net. At least they were scoring, and they decided to change the entire premise of what their team is built off of in an off season, and then didn't pivot until basically the season was all but dead for you. It just it and I get it. You were dealing with injuries. Jack Quinn getting hurt in the off season didn't help, but pivoting off of that to focus almost it felt like solely on defense, and then have it look like no one knows what they're doing, which I do blame on coaching. It's it's alarming what has happened with the Sabres. It's why we take calls about people wanting to see Granado fired or Adams do something or be fired. There's a reason why. It just I, I get it. You don't want to change again, 
but you can understand why people are frustrated. You can understand where it's coming from. And I also don't want to say it's not the players. There's no reason why, how many games in a row does it feel like they start down 2 nothing, bang. Or they start out great and then they fall off by the third period, the game is tied, and then, oh, you lost it with a minute to go. Yeah, because they don't know how to drag a game. That hasn't happened as much this but year. They don't, but, but, they, but even when they're losing, they don't know how to drag a game to overtime just to get a loser point. They didn't last year. They still don't this year. They are currently, yeah, 10 points out. You were right. I thought it was 9, but it is, it, is, Detroit. it is 10. Their uh, Sabres are at 48 points. Detroit and Toronto are both at 58. So got ground to make up. And it's just it likely I not going to happen. I, I think they'll make it close again, but I don't think I don't know if they'll get there. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Going to turn the page here after a quick timeout. We're going to go to college football, where UB head coach Pete Lembo will join the show. He took over that role late in January. We'll get a word from him, kind of what his plans are for the program going forward. This is his return to the MAC, as he was head coach at Ball State for five seasons before making the jump down south. Memphis, uh, uh, last stop being in South Carolina and such. We'll hear from him after a quick timeout. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, filling in here on the Extra Point Show, and you're listening to WGR. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt filling in here on the Extra Point Show. It's so funny when you sing along with songs that we play from the back. Oh, yeah. Me? Yeah. yeah. I like, do it all the time. I do it all the time. It's, it's hilarious. Like, no one else here does that. I, actually, no. I think Joe does it a little bit. Yep, I do you it do almo- it very I do it almost every If I know the song, I will sing along to it. <laughs> that is the UB Fight song. And coming up here now on the West Her Hotline, newest UB head coach Pete Lembo joins the show. Coach, good morning. How are we doing this today? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's it's only been, I think, what, under two weeks since you've taken the job. How's the seat filling in? How are you feeling? Uh, welcome back to the MAC as well. Well, thank you, and you're exactly right. It has been a whirlwind, uh, 11, 12 days, whatever it is now, uh, but exciting. And every single day, uh, being around these players, uh, being on this campus community, getting out and about a little bit in, in Buffalo when I have, and even getting on the road recruiting earlier this week, it just makes me more optimistic and more encouraged and, and even more energetic about where we can go with this program. Um, just so much potential, so much positivity. People are super friendly, super supportive. Uh, so we got a lot of work ahead of us. There's no doubt about that. But I am very encouraged by what I'm seeing so far. And coach, I mean, and you brought it up right there, and it's it's kind of a fun saying, but like being a, a college football head coach is, is a 365 day job. What's that like taking over a program and immediately hitting the ground running and going to recruiting? Does it almost give you that exi- you know that exhilaration, the adrenaline rush, or is it a little bit nerve wracking almost? Well, here's the thing: most coaching changes take place in December. So you get hired, let's say, mid-December. You have two or three weeks to put your staff together to get your strength and conditioning program in place. And then based on when the semester might start, you're either going out on the road recruiting and then your players return for the spring semester or vice versa. Maybe the semester starts a little earlier. You get to meet the team and then go out on the road recruiting. Well, imagine all of those things happening in the course of one week. I fly in here. Uh, last Sunday night, you know, land at 1030 at night. I'm meeting new players on Monday. Uh, On Tuesday, it's uh, a press conference, team meetings, basketball game, meeting some of our biggest donors at a basketball game. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
player meetings, individual meetings with every single guy. You're hiring coaches. You're making some tough decisions on on people that are here, whether you're going to retain them or move in a different direction. And all that time, you're still recruiting and getting ready to get out on the road and hopefully get get a, a good number of coaches out for the last week of recruiting before you get the signing day. So, so it has been uh, absolutely crazy. Um, I've got my uh, cell phone down to under 200 messages that I still need to return, and I have been pecking away at it religiously uh, up until about midnight every night. So all that being said, um, I've never slept so little and still been so energized during the day. It's just really exciting, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. I can I can hear it in your voice. You're just saying that. I mean, you're condensing it all into a week, but you still like sound so excited about everything that's going on. What made you want to come back to the Mac to come to Buffalo after being at South Carolina and Memphis at Rice and in a number of other schools as well since your last time uh, in in the Mac? Well, I always had the the goal of eventually being a head coach again, and and those runs that I had at, at some great programs, uh, especially at South Carolina and, and at Memphis when we got a chance to go to the Cotton Bowl, uh, I learned a lot. You know, sometimes when you become a head coach at a young age and you've been a head coach consecutively at three different places, uh, you know, you know what you know, but, you know, you're not always able to continue to learn the way you want to learn. And, and so these last several years for me have been awesome to see a lot of different ways of doing things at different places, some big programs, uh, some, some bigger state schools, things of that nature. And uh, now I feel like I have almost a Ph.D. <laughs> coming back to be a head coach again to a place that I'm very familiar with the footprint for recruiting. I'm very familiar with the conference. I'm very familiar with the resources in the group of five. So over that course of time, and I say this with all humility, there have been some other calls regarding head coaching positions, but I wanted to be really, really selective about the one I took. And quite frankly, I had a great job at South Carolina, so I wasn't going to leave for just anything. And this opportunity here at Buffalo really checked all the boxes for me. So, Coach, I was looking through some of your stuff on the Ball State website, which is where you were a head coach in the MAC for a while. First things first, your personal information is listed down there. Your birthday, me and you have the same birthday, which is just awesome. Are you I kidding me? Out there. Yeah, Are no, I was scrolling me? through and I looked and I was like, that date looks familiar. Oh, that's my birthday, too. So I just thought that was hilarious. I had to bring that up. I think Pete Rose and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are yes. right in there, too. I might be give or take one day. Yeah, I think I think you're right about Kareem. I'm not sure about Pete Rose, though, but I think you're right about Kareem. But back back to you know my main point here. Like I said, or like Zach said, you're coming back to the MAC now. What was it? Was it anything about Buffalo while you were making this decision that you experienced while you were playing UB all those years ago? Like, what kind of brought you here? Like, was it the city? Was it the the program? Like, what's your whole goal here? I guess. Yeah, I always thought that Buffalo was a sleeping giant in the MAC. Um, most of the schools in the conference, um, you know, the, the towns are the towns, right? I, I lived in Muncie for five years and met some wonderful, wonderful people there. I still keep in touch with a lot of them. I, I promise you a lot of them will be coming over here uh, for our game this year um, and, and 
we keep in touch on a, on a weekly basis. But Muncie is not Buffalo relative to um, the size of the city and the vibrancy of the city and, and the amenities of the city. So we're really, really fortunate when, when we bring uh, a recruit here to Buffalo that there's an awful lot to to show to that young man and his family. We've got a phenomenal academic institution, so we can attract some really, really good students here because of the academic reputation being the flagship of the New York State system. And then our geographic location is on the eastern side of the conference, so that allows us to go east and to go south up and down Interstate 95 with with all those metropolitan areas and and those players have to pass by us to go to the other spots in the Mid-American Conference. So I, I think we are situated really, really nicely um, to not only compete for recruits against the other places in the conference, but even those other group of five schools that are in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. On the Western Hotline, UB football coach Pete Lembo. And, Coach, you, you were just mentioning it a ton there with recruiting. And college football has radically changed over the past few years, uh, very different from your final year in Ball State in 2015. What can you tell us kind of about the NIL opportunities that are coming in UB or, or what you've seen so far and kind of what your plan is to a- attack that kind of the, the new landscape, as, as you will, in, in college football? Absolutely. So uh, Mark Allnut and I uh, have been in conversations about that really even as far back as as when uh, the search process was going on and and I eventually got hired, uh, which, by the way, was handled so professionally and so efficiently, uh, just really first class, uh, first impressions for me of our athletic department administration here. And they've been super every day since we've been here, just very committed and and, uh, very helpful. Um, But there's no doubt that we have to get to a point where we have some kind of NIL program. And the way I envision that is trying to keep your best players here, right? Um, There's no way we can – you know, argue that we're going to be able to compete with SEC schools and Big Ten schools on the recruiting end of things from an NIL standpoint. But if we have a good player here, uh, let's let's not lose them to a marginally better program. Uh, and if we can reward performance and, and help a guy stay here and finish his career here, I think that would be a real feather in our cap. Uh, and then potentially – uh, for some guys coming out of the portal, if we have some some real uh, important needs because maybe you've lost a player at a certain position and you don't want to just replace them with a freshman, you want somebody who's played some college football before to step in. Um, you know, if if you can get some assistance there to get a guy uh, to come to Buffalo, then then that would be really positive. So so I envision it uh, going in a direction that I think it was initially intended to do which is to reward performance. It quickly morphed into basically inducements on the recruiting side, and, and that's what's kind of given it a black eye. But, but the, 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 the good news, the good part of it is if a guy performs, uh, he should be able to be rewarded for that performance. And, again, you talk about the size of the institution, the success of the alumni, the support in the city of Buffalo – I hope that we'll be able to get some of those things up and running perhaps a little bit easier here than they might happen elsewhere. So, Coach, with South Carolina, you were the special teams coordinator. And, you know, a lot of the times now we've been seeing 
special teams coordinators get get head coaching positions. But one thing that I was wondering is, with that being you know under your belt, are you more of a offensive defensive minded coach? Like, what's your coaching philosophy? Yeah, I would say as a head coach, I'm more of a CEO that tries to stay involved in all three phases of the game. Uh, if you go way back uh, to to when I was in my 20s, uh, I started off as an offensive line coach. I coached tight ends. I was very involved uh, in the offense, um, even at Lehigh and, and at Elon. But as as uh, my role as a head coach continued to evolve, you know, and you're trying to build programs at places and get different projects up off the ground, maybe they're facility oriented or or other kinds of resources for the program. It, it makes it really hard to be in sort of a coordinator type role in one aspect. So that's where the special teams um, really grew for me as a head coach because it gives you a chance to hands-on coach just about every single player in the program. And I really developed a passion for it. And in some of those programs I was at, like Ball State, like Elon, where you've got to do more with less, uh, special teams ended up being a real difference maker for us and, and being a way that we could win some games every year that maybe on paper we weren't supposed to. Um, so then it was just a natural evolution for me when I decided to go back and be an assistant coach to, to take on the special teams. And, and, uh, and I loved it. Uh, you know, we, we had some tremendous years at Maryland. We, we had some top-ranked special teams units uh, in the top 20 in the country and in the Big Ten, two years, and then at Memphis, we we finished the 19 season first or second ranked special teams. Two years ago at at South Carolina, we were the top ranked unit in the country. So I say that in all humility. That's that's players buying in, and that's uh, coaches supporting you. That's support from the head coach uh, to make special teams important. Um, and then for me, it was it was about managing it. And I think the fact that I was a head coach all those years uh, helped me make that transition well. So one thing I can promise you, um, you know, we're going to put a great emphasis on that here. And uh, I've got a, a new special teams coach who's been with me before, who's actually starting work today. So we'll be getting that stuff up and running this spring, and I'm excited about where it can go. Love to hear it, Coach. Thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. I know as, as you detailed it coming in, you are uh, hitting the ground running, your you know, trial by fire and all that stuff. It's been a blast to talk to you. Good luck this year, uh, and can't wait to see everything that's coming forward. You, you sound like you've really got it down, Coach. Thank you so much again for today. And get some shut-eye. You're going to need it. This is a 365-day job. You know that as well. Appreciate it, guys. Hey, we're all in it together and looking forward to building a lot of strong connections in the community. Awesome. Thank you so much. On the Western Hotline, that was UB head coach Pete Lembo, who, as he said, 12 days ago, he was hired to be UB's head coach, and I, he's condensing a ton of a ton of that stuff into a week. Josh, I, I, you know I'm a huge college football junkie. Mm-hmm. It, it truly is a job that does not stop, and, and, and I think Coach Lembo kind of detailed it perfectly there. He got hired and immediately started recruiting. That like That is – got to be a special kind of person right. to, yeah. want, to, to want to do that. And I, I think for me, what was almost infectious listening to him was how excited he was to talk about – Hitting the ground running. Especially with how much he's been doing. Yeah, how much he's been doing, kind of, and as he said there, like, usually these, you know, coaching changes are happening in December. 
His was late January. Right, exactly. And, and I, I, I am somebody, I, I get infectious to, to, to that feeling of, of the excitement of, of clearly loving what you're doing. And, and I am somebody, I, I think the older I've gotten, the more I'm at a point of head coaches to me are more, are the CEOs. They are more there to, to get the team you know, energized and to motivate rather than being the X's and O's guys all the time. And they're also your head recruiter. I mean, it's, it's it's a lot of the way, you know, the president of the United States, really their main job is to be the, the lead diplomat of the country or you know, the prime minister of England, the same thing. You know, that's what head coaches are now in college. They're, they're your lead recruiter. And it's something I, you know, Josh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Longhorns fan. That we, You know, anyone that's listening on this show knows I'm, <laughs> Dude, a, no. I'm a huge Texas fan. <laughs> but I have a really special place in my heart for UB. I went to so many football games growing up. I know the guys like Drew Really and Bo Oliver and Khalil Mack, of course, but Joe Licata as well. Like, I grew up going to those games. And I do miss, like, UB being really good. I mean, it was not even that long ago that, you know, they had, you know, 10, 11 win seasons. They're getting guys that are, like, are really being looked at as, like, NFL prospects across the board, not just, like, you know, a shooting star in Khalil Mack. And just, you know, the football team, the basketball teams, both men and women, you know, they're kind of trying to kind of claw their way back. Sports in Buffalo is better when UB is good. And mm-hmm. and yep. just, in, it, we only talked to him for about 15 minutes there, but Coach Lembo, I, just, I, I was very energized by his energy, you know, at 11 in the morning on a Friday. Yeah, I got to tell which, you. I, in which I got to imagine he's <laughs> at most slept three days in the last, or three hours in the last 12 days. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been up since four, and his whole thing there just energized me for the rest of the day. Like I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. That was that was he was fun. That, was a lot of fun. I think I think he's gonna bring great energy to the team too. Just just by our fifteen minute conversation. Like it it should be a really I think it's a really good hire for UB and it's I mean we're gonna see this this fall, but judging by how he's hit the ground running, I think it's gonna go I'm excited. Well. We're gonna take a quick timeout. We get you ready coming up at twelve o'clock Sabres Live, Marty Baron and Brian Duff as we are getting ready for the NHL All-Star Week to really get going. They'll be bringing all that for you coming up at noon. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, hanging out with you for just a few more minutes here. You're listening to The Extra Point Show on WGR. Quick final segment here as we get you ready for Sabres Live. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt, filling in here on The Extra Point Show. Josh, do you have any plans for this weekend? I feel like I'm going to watch a ton of golf. Um, I, f- I feel like I'm going to. I'm going to the Harlem Globetrotters game tonight. Oh, there we go. I, there we go. I bought the tickets yesterday. So, yeah, I'm um, going to that tonight. Went last year. It was super fun. I, I don't really like basketball that much, mm-hmm. but I did go to a Knicks-Thunder game one time when I was in New York City one time. That was fun. Oh, it's something I, I want to do so badly, man. I cannot watch it on TV, though. See, I, I, don't, but, I don't have a huge problem watching on TV. I, I don't know. I just I can't get into it. Unless it's like the end of the game. Then I get into it because it's so back and forth. Oh man, the but, final two minutes of college basketball free throw competition. <laughs> but but the thing that was the thing that's cool about the Harlem Globetrotters is it's such an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Like you are in the game. Like they they pull people out onto the court. They they let you stay afterwards and do like you know like autographs and mm-hmm. pictures and stuff. And it's it's just really cool. And and. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great experience. Quick thing before we get out of here. I just saw this come up on my Twitter. The LA Kings have fired their head coach. Whoa. Is it Todd McLean? Todd McLean, yeah. Todd McLean. He has been fired. They're replacing him with Jim Hiller on an interim basis. That is wow. interesting. Are the Kings bad? I feel like I haven't paid attention. Are they bad? 
No, yeah, they have not been good. They're not okay. They've not been good. This well, is not, they, they started, they started out, okay. out good, and now yeah. you know. I mean, you so saw the reverse with the Edmonton. Sab- yes. You saw it with cool. the Sabers game where they were up three one and then just let up four oh, and, on against that, even, that, that is and, fair. Uh, Drew Doughty at that time was just like, "Hey, that was really bad," and we have guys out here like just playing for points. Wow. Like, it's they're in a playoff spot too. Yeah, they're the number one wild card out west. Yeah, and, but they they're uh, not going to be there for long. At man, the I love no, but I love that the way they're I going. I Love that. Yeah, that's that's a good move by them. That is something I love though. You're seeing it's going wrong. I don't care that we're in a playoff spot. Move on. I also, love that. From Darren Drager on that uh, Sean Monahan trade mm-hmm. trade call between the Jets and Canadians happening soon. This was 43 minutes ago though, so that's good luck on that. Um, trade call happening soon. Monahan to the Jets for a first and a conditional pick. Oh baby, so that's an that's, actual trade right there. That's, that's aggressive too. That's not quote unquote you know future considerations. That's what's up. Yeah, that's and and like Drager says in this tweet, excellent asset management by the Canadians and a very good ad by the Jets. That's going to be a good trade. I wonder how it's going to shake out. I wonder if there's anything else involved. But like I said, that was hap- that was tweeted 45 minutes ago. So. Mm-hmm. When's this trade call going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. When's that going to happen? Because NHL teams do not like making trades. Uh, do want to get this in here real quick before we get out of here. We did get connected to our fans. Took a few phone calls today. And that is brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at northtownkia.com. Tea times are just beginning over at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Josh Allen and Dropped his, his club on a swing. Did he? That's not <laughs> I'm good. watching the video right now. He he. I don't. Even, it looks like an approach shot. Just let it go out of his hands on his backswing. Well, that's... Uh, that is not good. On, on the follow-through, not the backswing. Oh, oh boy. So even worse, because it's, it's got momentum going back towards your caddy. One of us. Love it. That's going to do it for me and Josh today. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, or the start of your weekend, whenever that happens here on a Friday. Coming up next, after a quick timeout, Sabres Live, Brian Duff and Marty Braun. You're listening to WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.